Welcome to Politically Pissed, the podcast that wants to inform you with so many Democratic candidates in the race, you can just invent some random white guy and people will believe you. Welcome to Politically Pissed. My name is Saeed Charbini, and I'm here with my co-host, Katya. Hey, what's up? And we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, I've known her for a while, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. Go ahead. Allison Coombs, running for Aurora City Council for Ward 5. Okay, so let's start from the top. Where are you from? Um, so I was born at Rose Hospital and grew up in West Denver and then lived in Colorado most of my life. Attended graduate school in upstate New York and then moved back to Colorado and moved to Aurora. Okay. So you're one of those things, the rare things we call a native? Well, yeah, I'd like to say born and raised in Colorado <laughs> instead because I feel like there's some uh, colonizer implications to just claiming being a native um, yeah. when you're a white person. So. No, but you're born and raised here, so. Yes. Yeah. I was also born at Rose Hospital and I live in your ward. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So, um, let's talk about it. Uh, Where is your ward at? Um, So, it's basically South Aurora. I guess you could call it Southwest, except it's not really West. It's basically along Parker Road, all of Aurora, that is south of where 225 meets with Parker Road. And then out to Buckley, all the way down to the edge of Centennial. And then there's a little section out to Tower from... I live to Hampton um, between Buckley and Tower. Okay. So sort of southern Aurora, almost centennial area, something like that? Yep. Okay. So you said you were from Denver originally. Uh, this is obviously a different area than when you were where you grew up. What kind of work in the community have you done there? What kind of uh, ties to the community do you have? I mean, I know we go back to when we were doing Young Democrats out in the area. You guys started on when I was working on that, and me and Katya were doing yeah, that. Yeah, we helped um, it back up on its feet in 2014, bit, yeah. yeah. But I know we met around there, but like, what else have you done in the community around that? Can you list some of like the projects you worked on, stuff like that? Yep, so I work for a residential service agency for adults with de- developmental disabilities that operates in Aurora as well as some of the surrounding areas. So a lot of my professional work is in Aurora and with clients who live in Aurora. I also used to be a bilingual case manager for developmental pathways, and most of my clients were in Aurora as well. What was your second language? Spanish. Okay, so you're fluent in Spanish? Yes. Nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your work there. Um, what Yeah, so I was a case manager, so I worked with kids and adults with developmental disabilities to get connected to services that they needed that are provided through state-funded and federal-funded Medicaid programs. And now I'm working for a service agency that specifically focuses on providing residential services through state and federally funded Medicaid programs for adults with developmental disabilities. So I work with clients in the community. I've also worked on some housing issues and homelessness issues, organizing people and getting them to testify on getting a moratorium on mobile home park redevelopment at a point when there was a lot of threat of redeveloping mobile home parks in Northwest Aurora. 
Well, that's, I was going to ask you about that one because uh, I know the struggles in Northwest Aurora about the uh, mobile parks. What, what kind of issues do they have related to that where you're at? Um, Ward 5 really doesn't have any. I was working with people in Northwest Aurora okay. on that at that point. Gotcha. But we did just get um, approval late last year for a program for families that are experiencing homelessness um, to have housing and job training for the parents as well as services for the kids that is in my ward. And I went and testified, gave some comments and presentations to the residents to just talk to them about why this would be good for our ward and present some data on how those kinds of programs are good for communities. And then I also worked to support Bridge House, which is a program for single adults experiencing homelessness to get job training and housing. And that's right on the edge of my ward between Ward 4, or in Ward 4, but right by Nine Mile Station. So addressing homelessness and housing issues is something that I've really focused on, as well as getting progressives elected throughout Aurora, both for city council, as well as state house and state senate. You've done a lot of amazing work. Thanks. That, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> I I have a just I'm bursting with a bunch of questions. Go for it. Okay, uh, who's the current person who holds the seat in Ward Five? Um, it's Bob Roth. Okay, he's been there for between I, nine and I'm ten years. I'm familiar with him. Yeah. Okay. Can Can you tell us Bob Roth's uh, political leanings, maybe? He's a registered Republican. Yeah. Yeah. Even uh, though it's <laughs> it's a nonpartisan race, but yeah, they yeah. always get partisan. Oh, I mean, yeah. everybody registers at something and just. Yeah. yeah. So that goes to speak to the sort of neighborhood that you'll be running in. Uh, Not necessarily. Well, yeah. and that's what I was going to get into is like he's a Republican that's been holding the area, but everything's been changing as people push further and further out from the city. So what kind of dynamics do you think have changed it there that makes it possible for you to win? So I now? think people moving into the city is certainly part of it. There are a lot of folks I've talked to that are on my list, people who are expected to lean toward my politics on the doors that have newly moved there but a lot of them are people that have lived there for a really long time and most of them tell me that no one has ever come to their door to talk to them about an election and so I think a lot of it is just a lack of active campaigning on the part of anyone Democrat or Republican which is historically pretty normal for Aurora in the past um, city council level races have been about name recognition so yard signs pens mailers and not really about substantive issues and having a ground game so it was really in 2017 when we got three progressive women elected by having a strong ground game that we really kind of changed that formula in Aurora. So it's just a new way of campaigning for city council in Aurora. It's not a new way of campaigning in general. It's just No, how definitely it's not new in general, so. but that's really funny to think that uh, it, for a while it was just sort of put your name out there and you get it, whereas we all know, I mean, I know you probably learned it plenty through campaigns. It's hit the ground, talk to people. You really make a difference that way. Absolutely, and people really appreciate having someone show up and ask them what they think. Well, and that leads me right into my next question is, what kind of things have you been hearing from the community that people want changed? Um, I can answer that. Yeah, well, we got one concern right here, yeah. Your answer. Okay, well, right under the bridge from I-225, 
I believe it is, and Parker, there is a bunch of panhandling and people living under the bridge. I think that is under your ward, isn't it? Yep. Um, that's a big problem. Uh, there's a lot of, um, in my particular apartment complex, nobody, there's a lot of people who just trash things, the tires, um, refrigerators, which I believe is against code. And it, it's just, it's dangerous for the kids and pets, people in general. And also, it's the accessible parking spot people use just just park right across them. And the apartment complex don't care to enforce it, and it's really hard to get anybody to enforce it. There's um, crumbling buildings, and nobody wants to enforce it. The only person I've run across who actually will do it something is Nancy Jackson, who's an incredible commissioner, and she, mm -hmm. she actually does knock doors. But you make a very poignant point. Nobody really does knock on doors, and... I know in my apartment complex, nobody really knows what to do because a lot of people are immigrants or they're just disengaged from the process. And also, there's it's it's a food desert. It's like you'd have to take two buses to go to the grocery store. It, we're not an impoverished area, but we're about one or two steps up from it. The homelessness is something that I hear from people in all parts of the ward. There's a lot of concern, not so much people complaining about homeless people, but just a lot of concern about what can we do to make sure people are taken care of because everybody realizes that like, right, they have enough, even if it's just enough themselves, they don't it's understand why we as a city is. can't um, take better care of people and why we can't provide more facilities. And so I'm glad that we've gotten two facilities approved in the last year to support people with homelessness. And that's taken a lot of efforts on the part of activists to really make sure that our city council follows through on doing that. And so I'm glad that's happened and we clearly need more uh, because so many people are being pushed from Denver and other areas into Aurora, and also people in Aurora are becoming homelessness because of the high cost of housing. Can so, I ask, can yep. I ask you a quick question about it? You say uh, two new homeless facilities went up? Yep. I take it you probably helped some way, shape, So that was the that. bridge house and then the oh. one yeah. for the families that I was talking yeah. about. But um, so your opponent, Bob, Bob Roth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how was he working with him to get those set up? Um, was it so like, was he it like pulling him along? Wasn't or? involved in Ward Four because it's not his ward. Okay. And I don't honestly remember whether or not he ultimately voted for Bridge House. I know the first time that Bridge House was up for approval and got denied, he voted against it. Okay. I think the second time around, because the ward council member was expressing support, he, I think, supported having it there with the family tree which is the one that's in our ward it was not as public of a process okay. but i will say that he attended the community meeting where i spoke about what the benefits would be to the community of having that facility there and he didn't speak at all in that meeting he just okay. attended and sat in the back of the meeting and just heard what you had to say and that was basically it yeah okay um, yeah, I was just yep. curious because, I mean, if it, if it came about while he was on, on, in the seat, like, it'd be good to know, you know, what his efforts were either against it or for it and what his sort of viewpoints are. 
as it comes to helping those that are less fortunate, which it seems like you spent most of your life doing. So. Yes. And, you know, again, I'm not going to impugn him in any way on that because I'm not aware of him standing in the way of family okay. tree happening. I'm not aware of him being an active advocate for the project either. Okay. It seems like he was just kind of there and the partners that were working on the project really are the ones that made it happen. With respect to disposal, one of the most bizarre things to me about the city of Aurora is that we have like 13 different waste management companies operating in the city and even more than that approved to operate. And so each community, whether it's an apartment management or an HOA or people individually, if they don't have an HOA or some other entity, are individually contracting with these entities and paying directly for their trash and recycling if they have it. A lot of places don't have recycling. Yeah, we don't. Um, yeah, in my uh, HOA either. There's no recycling. It's condo, apartments sell condos and we don't have any recycling. And so that's an issue that I think is really easy to fix. We changed to a municipal waste management. Denver did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Changed municipal waste management. And actually, because everybody's already used to paying for their trash, it would be really easy to implement a pay-as-you-go or pay-as-you-throw program. <laughs> and so pay-as-you-throw basically is a model where you get the recycling and the composting even for free and you pay only for the trash itself. And so people could see reductions in their cost per household and it could incentivize better addressing waste issues. And then we could also, as a city, do a lot of the things that Denver and other municipalities do as far as large item pickup or like having procedures in place for toxic items. Because I think when it's kind of a free-for-all of well, what is our trash company really going to do to us if we throw toxic things? Then it really incentivizes bad behavior. And you can incentivize good behavior by creating structures um, that give people the opportunity to do the right thing. Yeah, there's no sense of responsibility or community, really. I, my husband pointed out to me, well, people don't have the money to, do, to, do, to like get rid of, a, of whatever they're throwing out there, be it a tire or a... a I don't know, a refrigerator or a kid. I don't know. It could be something. <laughs> and I, but not. it also yeah, feel, I make not. I feel like I'm living in Florabama. You know, and like it, we need to take care of our communities much better. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think if people know that there is a time that they can get rid of refrigerators yeah. or tires or things like that, they would be willing to do it. And there's a way to it's do just it. When they feel powerless and uninformed, then they act out of a feeling of powerlessness and out of a lack of information. And so I think making sure that people have adequate information is another very important issue. And it's something that's really lacking in Aurora. People don't, in general, have good information about what's going on in the city, what decisions are being made, how it affects them, how they can be involved. And oftentimes they don't have access to adequate information about city services and programs. I love that you mentioned access. I wanted to ask you, how accessible has the uh, the current representation been? Like, have people been able to reach out to him, talk to him? Does he go to a lot of meetings? Like, 
do you see him out and about? Like, I know you're pretty much at everything probably. So, uh, <laughs> um, just curious. so I mean, he has town halls okay. and those are meetings where he brings in different people from the city to give presentations. And of course he attends the council meetings and the other meetings he's required to attend. Okay. I really haven't seen him as just like out and about in the city as a fellow person. And I also haven't seen him at many of the community events that okay. I've been at or been a part of. There, he's currently the mayor pro tem. So from time oh, wow. to time, he gets asked to be there on behalf of the mayor if the mayor can't be there. And those are really the only types of events that I've seen him at are ones where he's there in the capacity of mayor pro tem. Okay. Um, so speaking of mayor, then, if you were elected, can you tell me which mayor you would prefer to work with? Omar Montgomery. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. Definitely. <laughs> um, there's literally no other person running for mayor that I would like to work with. But if I was expected to work with them, you know, I would take some comfort in knowing that Aurora has a weak mayor system. And so it's really the city manager that, that, runs um, that we would need to be working with as council primarily. Gotcha. Um, well, let me ask you. Uh, so, sorry, I just want to follow up on one other thing, which is food deserts. I've heard a yes. lot of complaints about lack of commercial services, even in Ward 5. And I had understood that that was an issue in Ward 2 and to some extent Ward 6. And I certainly have also experienced having to drive to places, but it never occurred to me that that was unreasonable. I was just like, I mean, I guess this is just Aurora. You just have to drive to everything here. Not and everybody, not everybody can drive though. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And the buses, the bus situation is extremely problematic. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, it does not serve Ward 5 equally across all parts of Ward 5. And there are some areas that don't have any access or aren't served very well. And so for people that don't have access to a car, yeah, getting to a grocery store or a restaurant or to work at a job. Yeah, and a lot of people with disabilities different. are affected by accessibility and their transportation. Right. So most of Ward 5 is pretty well covered by Accessoride. And Accessoride pro provides service at a pretty wide range of hours to most parts of Ward 5. There are some parts that don't have as good of access to and certainly ward two and ward six have almost no accessoride access available at any hour of the day because they yeah. don't have bus routes and if you don't have a fixed route bus route within three quarters of a mile of your home then accessoride won't serve that home i didn't know that yeah, yeah. don't you have to call like two or three days ahead to get a accessoride it's one day but you can cancel within a couple of hours so I, with the clients that I work with that utilize Accessoride, I typically just recommend if you think you're probably going to have to take a trip, schedule it because you can always cancel it. But yes, accessibility, having more public transportation um, would be incredibly helpful to people with disabilities because they wouldn't have to count on Accessoride, although that would depend on the city also plowing the streets and the sidewalks yeah. adequately because I've definitely had people not be able to get to their bus to get to work and because ramps. there wasn't adequate um, snow clearing. Yeah. So let me ask you then, because we're talking about accessibility and making sure that people can be transported. I know the light rail into Aurora necessarily wasn't 
a huge success. Uh, <laughs> but is there any talk of expansion or making it more accessible to other people, maybe spreading out the RGD rail into Aurora? Is that something you would be for? I would be for that, but the current discussion is actually about continuing to cut that service. So the service has already been significantly cut in terms of frequency as well as number of trains and there is a, an ongoing discussion that there's still low ridership. When you look at something like the light rail, you have to look at the first and last mile solutions as far as do people have access to that light rail? Can they get from their house to the light rail and if they can't if they've got to drive to the light rail anyway then if they have the option of driving and the ability to drive they're just going to drive the rest of the way most <laughs> of the time rather than Absolutely, driving there yeah. paying for parking and then paying for the light rail to yeah. get where they're going and then for the people who don't have the option they either have to walk extremely long distances to get to bus connections i talked to some people today who said they have to take two buses to get to the light rail and so it's not worth it for them, even though they are people that don't want to drive, don't like driving, and want to discourage driving overall, they really don't have an option that is reasonable and accessible for them to be able to get to the light rail. Um, so That's we really crazy. have to address those light rail connections and also just general first and last mile issues where people just can't get to any public transportation at all whatsoever from their home i have so last week the denver city council cut the contract with geo which i'm sure you're familiar with the private prison or private prison company i uh we used to work morgan and i used to work with them and, and morgan and i used to work with them i'm pretty proud of the denver city council personally if you were elected and aurora had that vote to I don't know if Aurora actually has... Aurora doesn't contract with the ICE geo facility. It's ICE that contracts right. with that geo facility. But there are things we can do about having a private entity like that operating in our city. Because even though they're contracting with the federal government, right. there's still a private business operating in the city. And we should be holding them accountable to basic standards of treating people decently and... Things that we would request that we would expect of any business licensed in our city, and right now their current level of performance does not comport with any <laughs> appropriate health and safety standards. So, do I hear you saying if elected, you'd be in favor of, of uh, doing the things that would encourage people to cut that contract? Yeah, and I think uh, that whatever is within our power as a city council to do to make sure that we don't have a facility like that operating in our city i would want to do whatever we can do because it's not benefiting our immigrant and refugee population we have a 30 percent immigrant yeah. and refugee population creating the kind of terror that a facility like that creates where people's dignity is not respected, their due process rights are not respected. It doesn't say you're welcome here, we want you here, and you're a valued part of our community. You actually bring up a great point. I wanted to ask you, I know Denver went towards what they call a sanctuary city sort of thing. I wasn't sure if Aurora was there, and if they're not, what would you do if elected to help push them in that direction? Right. So Aurora City Council in 2017, before the newly elected council members were sworn in, and in fact before they were elected, 
passed a resolution stating specifically that Aurora is not a sanctuary city. And the rationale that they've given for that is that they didn't want the city to lose federal funds. So they wanted to make a clear showing to the federal government that they were not going to be in violation of the federal government's terms. I'm flabbergasted. (laughs) That being said, our police chief has a standing policy of not sharing information with ICE, not honoring ICE detainers, and not asking about immigration status Mm -hmm. of any person being stopped, detained, or arrested. And so the police chief is trying to operate on some of the principles associated with being a sanctuary city that are demonstrated by research and data to keep people safe to make sure that our immigrant and refugee population is safe, but also to make sure that the people of our city are safe. Because if 30% of our population is terrified to call the police, they can't keep our people safe. Bingo. And so I'm thankful to Chief Metz for taking that approach Mm -hmm. and for having that policy. I think we need to codify that and make it part of the city's rules. And I certainly would be in favor of the city being officially a sanctuary city um i think we definitely need to overturn that resolution thankfully resolutions are not binding but, easy enough yeah but still needs but to be done. we should pass yeah. a policy that goes directly against um any resolution or any intent saying that we are not a sanctuary city because as a common refugee resettlement location we have to be showing that we fully intend to be welcoming in every way. So. I've literally loved everything you've said. Thank it's you. It's been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, Aurora has a reputation for crime. Some of it is deserved, some of it isn't. <laughs> uh-huh. What would you do to combat crime? Um, so there are a couple of things that I've heard while talking to folks. The biggest thing is that there is tons of property crime. And what I heard today from a woman is that our city police don't currently take a police report if the damages in a property crime are less than $2,000. Um, $2,000. I thought you were going to say $100 at first. I was like, maybe, but... (laughs) Um, And so that's concerning. And I don't know. I haven't been able to look into it. That was a conversation I had just today on the doors. (laughs) But if that's true, then that's incentivizing property crime, as long as the damages are under $2,000, and we need to look at how we change that. Yeah. But some other things that I've heard are that the process for hiring officers in the city of Aurora is so long that officers who've applied to work in the city and want to work in the city end up going to other neighboring cities because they like just the initial background check process, not the training process. I appreciate that Chief Metz has extended the training process and requested that extension because I think we need well-trained officers. But you need to know you're accepted before you get to that point. Right. And so when people know that they can get a job in Lakewood in three weeks 
and they still haven't even heard anything from Aurora about their status of their application, it means we can't hire good people. It means we're left with the people who have no other cities making them offers. And that's a huge concern. (laughs) We also have city council that interfered with the collective bargaining rights of our police. They were, they had a possibility of buying into a different retirement plan their bargaining unit had agreed that that's what they wanted to do and the city council voted that they were not permitted to pursue that change in their retirement plan Um, and so I think you know regardless of whether one has concerns about police and policing and models of policing (laughs) They're still workers and they still deserve to have their rights to collectively bargain respected. And not doing that, again, makes it harder to attract and retain officers that are actually going to do a good job and are going to take their job seriously. So how much sway does the council, city council have over the Aurora Public Schools? No direct authority. Okay. Um, That's the Aurora Public School Board that has the direct authority. I think there are a lot of opportunities that we could have to partner with the school board to create programs that would be really meaningful for our community members. Because Eric Nelson, does does, do people remember Eric? I am aware of Eric Nelson. Yes, he's he's back. He's back. Wait, was he the one that yeah. faked being yes, in the military faked, and his degree? Yes, and, he faked being in the military. Shit, he thinks he can come back? Oh, he's still on the Aurora Public School Board. Holy. No, he's no. Oh, okay. Well, good. good. That we may disagree on that. On what? Well, we'll come back and fact check this. Okay. I'm pretty sure he is not now a member of the school board. I'm pretty sure he he's hard did not know. run again after that all came out. He's trying to get back in the game, so I just wonder <laughs> what if he is or if he isn't. He shouldn't. I'm 90%, 99% sure that he is not currently on the school board and that he didn't run in 2017, which is when his term was up. Okay. Um, and he definitely didn't get elected in 2017. We elected four other people. Yeah, he, he's popping up all over social media again. So I just wanted to bring that att- to uh, people's uh, attention. Eric D. Nelson. Yep. He almost won the pri- the Democratic primary in 2016. For so state representative, I believe it yes, was, wasn't it? against Nikki uh, Jackson. Yes, I remember that <laughs> as well. That was um, crazy. We were sweating that one out. So I just wanted to bring that attention to our listeners and to the yeah, city council. Yeah, I've noticed that he has been around a bit more. Um, I'm not sure what that's about. Um but I know he's not a member of the current Aurora Public Schools board. Thankfully. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we. I think that there are some people that are on that board and hopefully some people that will be elected to that board that will be interested in partnering, on council, partnering with council he's on not. homelessness, yeah. housing, food security, youth programming and even potentially small business development Um, and training and apprenticeships for young people that want to go into skilled labor and skilled trades we need a lot of that yeah and we need just other routes just besides college college is important but we also need other routes for those who don't feel colleges for them and it's gotten too expensive Um, far too expensive and yeah and again not everybody wants to go to college Mm -hmm. a lot of people really just want to be done with school 
and that's okay and there are lots of ways that people can be successful and have good lives through pursuing all kinds of other employment and there's a huge shortage of skilled laborers Mm -hmm. in our state right now absolutely okay so i'm gonna end here real quick with i want to ask you you list the top three things that are the most important to you to fix in aurora lack of transparency and ethics is number one heard of that one before too (laughs) um (laughs) yep so that's and i think that that then helps us address having an economy that works for all and having sustainable environmentally responsible development it's a good one all right all right perfect um so let's go ahead and move into final thoughts then katya do you want to go first do you want me to i'll go so my final thought for the week is it jeffrey epstein i'm gonna steal yours a little bit uh was found hung in his cell was it hung or dead or uh supposedly he committed suicide yeah the word is he committed suicide in his jail cell after being taken off suicide watch so um was it a political hit who knows could have been he knew a lot of famous people that's all i'm saying my final thought for the week was your tinfoil hat and mine are very tight today it's a coincidental (laughs) (laughs) all right i used to work for a for a company called creaky joints uh I found out that they did an investigative report on it, and when my first editor went disappeared, second editor disappeared, third editor disappeared, I kind of thought, hmm, maybe I shouldn't work here anymore. I found out why now. Uh, the guy was taking money from Big Pharma, and it was supposed to be a non-profit. So, screw you, creaky joints. Screw you, creaky All right. <laughs> All right, um, so that's sort of the idea, and uh, feel free to end with, you know, your website, Facebook, all that stuff. Just throw it all out there. So my final thought would be that um, I found out yesterday that Colorado is likely to be demoted to a serious violator of air pollution, air quality standards by the EPA, um, and that makes me really sad, um, knowing how much I have valued having a clean environment <sighs> growing up in Colorado. Um, so pretty bummed out that yeah. we got to that point and that we haven't taken action sooner. Holy cow. I had no idea that happened, yeah. It yep. was that way when I was growing up in the 90s. Well, but it was, it's it actually, got we got like, yeah. And then we still were being yeah. reprimanded by the EPA, but right. now it's even worse. Oh, yeah. God. All right, so give us your website, <laughs> all that stuff. Yep, so my website is www.coombsforaurora.com, and then Facebook, also Coombs for Aurora, Twitter, Coombs for Aurora, um, and there's Crowd Pack, or sorry, Act Blue. Let's start that. There are act blue links on the website and the Facebook. Donate. Pages. Donate. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> My opponent outraised me by more than two to one Oof. with his average donation being around $500 and my average donation being around 40 And I had three times as many donors as him, but we always need more. So thank Absolutely. You. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We hope you've enjoyed it with us. 
have a wonderful day. Say bye, everybody. Bye. Yeah, guns close doors to the system. Yeah, fuck them when we say we're not with them. We 